this past two, three weeks, I've been using the curly girl method for my hair. And that's what I've been doing. Can you explain to both of us who have obviously no idea what that means, uh, what it means? (laughs) So the curly girl method, it largely centers around eliminating silicones and salt. Okay. No, sulfates. I'm not actually sure what parabens are. It's with paraffin? Paraben. They're like parabenzoic something or parabenzene or something. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Anyway, so my shampoo has a sulfonate, which is like this sort of gray area. And my curling or like my curl product has siloxane, which is like a cyclical mm-hmm. uh, silicone. But whereas the other stuff I was using has dimethicone in it. And that's like, that's a silicone backbone with uh, like an ethyl group or a methyl group on either side. Anyway, details. Um, Apparently that clogs up your pores and keeps the moisture from getting in. But siloxane, I looked up the molecule and it has like four hydrogen bonding sites. So I feel like it's reasonably water soluble. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing you do is you don't shampoo your hair. For my hair, it recommends like every 7 to 10 days you can shampoo. And then like the rest of the time, you just wash it with conditioner. And there are a couple other, like I want to say, stylistic things. Like a lot of it centers around keeping your hair, or putting your head upside down and then dealing with your hair while you're there. Hmm. There's the there's the squish to condition conditioning <laughs> step. And there's... There's the plop, where instead of using a towel on your hair, you use a microfiber towel or an old T-shirt to get all the moisture out. Okay. I'll start. Uh, I'll start posting plopping pictures on on the future. Chat I, I would love that. Mike, are you writing all this down? Okay. Not. Mike <laughs> looks like I do when you guys talk about <laughs> cell phones. I just I can't relate to hair tips for obvious reasons. Does Maria not have hair? Well, it's funny, actually. As you were talking about your process, I'm like, that sounds exactly like what Maria does. So maybe I should get together with Maria. Plopping and everything, yeah. She could give you some plopping tips. Mike, if we had some forehead or top of head buffing routines, would you be able to relate? Because I hear that is a thing. Actually, since since (laughs) we are talking about hair care, uh, I do have facial hair care. This is more of a desktop thing, but I'll allow it. Um, thank you. Uh, and Nick, we've, I think we've chatted about this before, but I'm, I'm looking for like a moose type thing and I still haven't come across one that looks good. Like I went into a beard shop the other day and nothing there really stood out to me and, and no one was really helping me. Like they're all just kind of behind the counter. Where was this? This wasn't Kent of Inglewood, No, was it? no, this was, uh, a beard shop on 130th. Okay. Down here. So. Sounds terrible because it's yeah. not uh it's not Kent of Inglewood. No. So they just had a, you can only expect so much. A couple giant shelves of product and people doing hair. I mean that's their <laughs> job, but it would have been nice to it would have been nice if people came out from behind the counter and asked, Hey, can I help you with anything? Like what are you looking for? And and gave a bit of guidance from there. So I, I probably will at some point have to try a Kent of Inglewood because I've heard good things, not only just from you, but in general they, they seem to be they're the, tremendous. The most recommended uh, hair and beard care product for men. Maybe a woman. I don't know. He might have the the guidance for, for women looking for hair tips. Honestly, like for Curly Girl, I 
don't think they list the ingredients, but the beard shampoo that uh, they sell at Kent of Englewood, apparently it was an ex-employee that started it, but it's designed to be super gentle, so I could see... Like, I could see that being curly girl friendly. But anyway, continue. I, I just want to mention that I'm, I'm not completely uh, out of hair tip conversations, just diff- different hair in different places. Okay. Um, have you, like, so when you say mousse, like, what are you looking to do? Just hold everything in place? Allow it to grow longer without it getting crazy and scraggly. Okay. Have you been using oil? Not since I ran out. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a good place to start. I recommend the big red oil myself. I believe it's the noble that I like because it smells of citrus and oranges. Citrus and oranges. Yeah, a lot of people would... I mean, a lot of the beard oil that I've come across, it either, like it's either from a high-end shop, and when I smell it, I'm like... This just smells like rich people. <laughs> <laughs> or it'll be all these small craft ones. It's it's like, this one smells like this kind of wood. This one smells like this kind of wood. And this one, well, this one smells like a different kind of wood. <laughs> it's, this one's like... You rub it together in your hands and go to put it on. It's like, ooh, citruses, citrus and oranges. Oh, my. I don't know if I'm ever going to get an opportunity to discuss this conspiracy theory that I recently came up with. So I'm going to throw it in now because it kind of relates to Nick's comment about things smelling rich. Uh, like rich, like money, not like a rich smell. Um, okay. I have a theory that high-end restaurants, and you'll know the kind that I'm talking about, it's usually the kind that would serve what's the thing that gives you a, a raw piece of meat with an egg in it steak steak tartare oh uh, tartare yeah i have a theory that the very the most expensive restaurants will have food that's intentionally bad but expensive so that rich people will buy it because nobody else would ever buy it or eat it and i i i get this i got this theory because we at work we have these committee meetings and they go out uh, like on the tuesday of every week for these three weeks of competition they go out to this dinner at a fancy restaurant and i didn't go this year because i looked at the menu and everything was just like this type of grass or this type of steak like steak tartare was one of the things but like every ingredient is this f- fancy sounding but horrible tasting sounding thing and so that's my theory is that nobody else would ever eat or use these things and so they sell them to rich people for a lot of money to make them think it's fancy but it's actually terrible and nobody wants it. So, I mean, you're discussing marketing and pricing yeah. signals. Like, when you say, like, they make it expensive so rich people want it, um, that can be a part of a marketing strategy. So, mm-hmm. certain brands, which I might object to, might sell you near-identical technology, <laughs> perhaps in some cases inferior, but they mark up the price to signal that it's a premium product so that some people yep. will buy it. I'm not naming names here, but, you know, that's that's a thing that a company with <laughs> loose morals could do. I don't think it requires loose morals. <laughs> just requires... I think it it's does. It's people with disposable incomes. Um, but no, like, you have pricing signals, but also 
if you have limited supply or it's somehow tricky to get it somewhere or that product somewhere like that can explain the mm-hmm. the increase in price maybe it's just the fact that i don't um, like mushrooms but every dish that has a fancy kind of mushroom in it i don't understand because mushrooms seem the idea of mushrooms being eaten seems kind of ridiculous to me and the fancier and fancier and bigger a mushroom gets the less i want to eat it truffles are another example of something where i'm just like why would anyone ever like how are you an adult (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) i don't want to eat stuff that i think tastes bad like do i have to normally children grow out of their oh my god that's a mushroom and that's gross phase like no i just don't early on or the texture or coffee because it tastes bad (laughs) but see rob you turned you turned the corner on beer so I, I think it's just a matter of time before I, I turn the corner. I turned the corner on beer, like. but I turned. I didn't turn the corner to now like Budweiser. I still don't like that. That's no one's I mean. asking you to like I Budweiser. Like beers that I think. <laughs> Even people who drink Budweiser <laughs> exactly. don't like Budweiser. <laughs> I also don't like being drunk, so there's that. <laughs> Again, no, no one's no, asking you to get drunk. <laughs> but I will have like a, last weekend. I had a single beer, and it was kind of it was. It's called Pink Fuzz, and. It's kind of got this fruit, like Nick mentioned, a fruity thing, and I like that. And that probably no, wasn't it's beer. beer. It's got like a it was citrus like a fruity aroma. Yeah. Okay, not like fruity there flavor. are. Oh man, so there are some beers where, especially in the pour, it can help. But I think it makes esters. Yeah, I think so that sounds right. In the fermentation process, and especially when you oxygenate it by pouring, it'll become fruity, like uh, Fin du Monde by Unibrew. It's, it's got these incredible fruity flavors in there without ever having touched fruit. Or, oh my god, Mike, we should go to Last Best, and we should go get the Tokyo Drift. It's a Northeastern-style IPA, and it's got actual grapefruit notes in there without having ever mm. touched a grapefruit. It's just how the yeast interact with uh, the hop, I think. Yeah, and it's meant to be... Sense. It's meant to use this yeast that would like take up residence in barrels. So they didn't actually mean to carbonate the stuff, but when it got over, it was carbonated because this yeast was really hard to get rid of. And it's also a little bit cloudy. And in the most interesting note I think I have on the Northeastern IPA, the Tokyo Drift, Kaya tried it once because I said, Kaya, this is so unlike any other beer I've ever had. I think you should try this. She tasted it and she said, you know, I, I don't hate this. I would never order it for myself, but I don't actively object to this flavor. I was like, a beer that Kaya doesn't I hate. must buy all of this beer. Whoa. <laughs> you can't, though. It's like they don't mass market it, yeah. which is sad. Yeah. I was at a bar the other day and had a IPA that was fairly fruity. I don't believe it was the one you're referring to, but... I think it was more of a kind of like raspberry one. And I think they actually had raspberry in it. It wasn't like they weren't relying on just the natural aromas of it, but it was actually, it was quite fruity. And Maria mm-hmm. also in the same vein didn't object mm-hmm. to it. She might've even liked wow. it, not even just not hating it. So what one more notch above <laughs> in that enjoyment scale, like mm-hmm. actually would get it again, potentially. Uh, no, that, okay. that's a stretch. Like, so she did like it, but not enough to ever have it again. Right. Not enough to intentionally buy it okay. herself. But it's like, if it was the only drink around, she would enjoy drinking it. I feel that it. way about water. But there are others that she, 
<laughs> there were others that she would enjoy more given the choice. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I hope you realize you're not saying much about this beer. <laughs> well, again, to a non-beer drinker, like a literal non-beer so. drinker. I think we're also getting off course here. Rob, why do you not like mushrooms? So I don't, I don't really like the flavor because it just kind of tastes like... I, and to, to to be fair, the the ones I the taste I really don't like is actually when they're cooked and kind of soft and soggy. Um, but I also don't like dry ones because it just tastes like I don't know eating styrofoam, or at least what I picture, what I imagine styrofoam. So is it a texture thing? I definitely that you don't, don't like, like the texture, and I also have you ever had like pureed mushroom in something? Yeah, I don't mind mushroom soup if there's no chunks of mushroom in it. Uh, okay. And even if they are like if Campbell's mushroom soup just has tiny little chunks, I don't really care about that. But it's just the the taste is just kind of nothing. I don't know. I'd like it's kind of like it's like if tofu tasted like a forest, I wouldn't like it as much. <laughs> like I don't mind tofu because it doesn't really taste like anything. But if it had a bad taste, I would like it less. I hope. <laughs> I hope that makes sense because it makes sense to me. <laughs> I'd never phrased it that way, but so I'm I'm kind of on the same page as you with mushrooms. Like I don't particularly enjoy the texture or the flavor of mm-hmm. like a whole mushroom, but like you, I, I do like mushroom soup. Like I like the flavor of the mushroom when there's an actual flavor, and when it adds something. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like chopped up mushrooms in something. It's yeah. like, why are these even here? So I'm, well, they, I, I, I know where you're coming from. They add like a, they actually share a lot of flavor compounds with red meat. And that's why you find are those they nutritious. So like are, I'm honestly asking, do mushrooms have any nutritious value or do people just eat them? Cause they're a food that people eat. Why do people eat anything? Like I'm asking you if they have nutritional value. <laughs> I don't eat cardboard. Cause I know that I can't I'm, process it. I'm sure I want to say they're at least as healthy as eggplant. Okay. I also don't like eggplant, so that doesn't really help. <laughs> and again, it's kind of a texture slash flavor thing. I feel like eggplant's healthier because it has, I, I heard something about bright colored things tend to have more vitamins in them. Like an eggplant. Should, bling, I've heard that too, people. but it, it seems made up. But it seems mm. believable too. Like is believable enough to be like that kind of makes sense but not believable enough yeah, to be like that makes perfect eggplants. sense <laughs> there's like nothing in eggplant maybe maybe it's like so, a deception it's thing just the because skin, it's just yeah. the skin is purple yeah so mushrooms are a good source of riboflavin and niacin okay also kind of phosphorus but i'm cutting things off at five percent here now is this a good source in the <laughs> biblical sense where like, it's a little 5% of your recommended daily value. A good source in the biblical <laughs> yeah. sense. I don't think you're using that phrase like, properly. <laughs> like, uh, the term good, good, I think is good, great, and excellent, or good and excellent. I, I don't know if there's a great in between there. But those are actually regulated terms hmm. in the food industry, at least in Canada. So don't say. when you see on a cereal box, like, an excellent source of whatever, like, it has to be at least really? a certain percentage to call itself huh. excellent. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. In that case, by the way, eggplant would be a good source of nothing. Yeah. Okay. That's well, kind of what I've never eat it again. Done. That's an easy decision. <laughs> this month's show is brought to you by ATB. 
This time, I'll be telling you a little bit about the customer experience team at ATB and the steps that go into every product they work on. Building for humans as opposed to users, the customer experience design team at ATB uses a three-step process to build and improve new and existing product designs. The first step is discover. So ATB designers will actually spend a day taking calls from customers or working in a local branch, seeing how their work affects the real people, the real people they're actually trying to help. And these team members will then come back and share what they found with their teams. The second step is to build. So the ATB designers, uh, while they're building, will be asking questions uh, with each other and to themselves to find out if there are any biases built into designs that might be affecting people in ways that they didn't necessarily realize. This will help when it comes time to build or improve newer existing programs. And the last step is to validate. And uh, so once some products have been built, that doesn't mean that the project is necessarily over. With the ATB customer experience team, it remains to be proven that the new design actually improves the experience for their customers. Uh, so this process is going to be a continual iterative process of refinement that helps ATB continue to improve and make its products more useful for humans that use it every day. You can learn more about this process and the other projects that the ATB Alpha Beta team is working on at atbalphabeta.com. Thanks again to ATB for supporting our show. Uh, should we start the show? <laughs> Probably. I, I, this actually leads pretty well into our first it, piece it of follow-up. It really does. Rob, so, if you want to um, take us into that. We've talked a lot about Soylent on this show, and as people who have listened before uh, will no doubt know, it's not available in Canada right now. And when this first happened this fall... I thought to myself, wow, the Canada Food Inspection Agency is a bunch of sticklers to the rules for no good reason. And um, I don't forget, it was kind of conjectured or like maybe uh, the CEO, Rob Reinhart, mentioned it somewhere. But um, there was discussion about how the issue that CFIA had was with the fat content in Soylent and calling itself a meal replacement. I I forget where I actually saw or read that. I feel like. I feel like I came across that yeah. exact same thing and not okay. because of you, just because um, I think... Yeah. So it turns out we've had someone, some Canadian person on the Soylent subreddit, and we'll, we'll include a link to this uh, thread, who asked, I guess, where he's... He, I, it's hard to tell if he works at CFIA. It looks like he does, but... Uh, well, no, he he did a Freedom of Information request right, there's, request there's to an the email CFIA. here going from someone at the CFIA to someone else at the CFIA with a heads up and then so this it turns out this person whoever they are whether they work for yeah so it says as a publicly available document released via freedom of information act but i think they do work for the government because otherwise they wouldn't why would they mention it's publicly available um so they asked what was going on with with the cfia's involvement with soylent and the ban got 74 pages of information i'm not going to read any of those pages um, but i've looked through them and there's the person included a summary here this was nine days ago sorry you're speaking as the person writing you said i, I looked through, them, through the 74 through pages personally myself rob you I, didn't? Looked through, oh, I didn't read okay. all 74 pages but i looked you observed that there were in no, fact no. 74 pages i went i read <laughs> their items all the things that they wrote that i'm going to describe the summary and it matches up well with the document so i'm saying i haven't read the entire document but it does seem to corroborate what this person wrote in the summary Okay. Uh, so there were a number of issues, not just the fat thing, although I think the fat thing is mentioned here. Um, the first yeah. one is that there's uh, caffeine is a non-permitted food additive in, uh, I guess, complete meal replacement products, which I did not know, but I also didn't have any of the any mm-hmm. of the coffeeist things. Is that 
But Coffius wasn't mentioned as one of the violators of this. I think in that document it okay. mentioned Chai, but it did mention Coffius. So I don't know how that maybe hmm. managed. Because they also be the, the, the exact but... phrasing here is only cafe Chai contained a second non-permitted food additive. So maybe you're allowed one. Right. <laughs> if you have two, you're not allowed both. Um, maybe. Yeah. But that is not again not the the bulk of the issue. The caffeine I'd allow. The cocaine I'd allow. But not in the same beverage. Um, there, So there are five items being discussed. And all five of the items, all five of the products that they have declare um, mineral and vitamin contents that do not meet the specifications for meal replacements. Um, for instance, calculations showed 13 vitamins or minerals below their minimum required amount. And one minimum mineral was above the maximum allowable amount. And phosphorus, which is required, was not declared in any of the products. Uh, And then we get into additional issues. Uh, So this is the one we mentioned. Based on online advertising, the energy available derived from the fat content exceeded the allowable 35%. That was the one that we kind of disagreed with and thought the regulations should maybe be changed. Um, The percentage of energy available derived from linoleic acid and N3 linoleic acid must be validated. I guess this is just like a... We're getting in, down into the nitty gritty of what's something needing to be nutritionally complete. Because if you rely on it, that that sounds like something I could hopefully get people to do at work. <laughs> That's <laughs> run a mass spectrometry on Swiland. We, we do have an LCMS. Mm-hmm. Like theoretically, that is something we could scan for. Uh, so there are things. Yes. So yes, Mike. <laughs> an MS. <laughs> an MS on that. Uh, they're missing. Exp- just imagine you like just pouring a <laughs> bottle of soil and drain into the machine. Be like, let's check this out. <laughs> oh, God. Nick, what are you doing? <laughs> just shut up for a second. I'm trying to get this legal. Uh, there, are, there are lots of little things like they're missing the declaration of those linoleic acids on the bottle because uh, there are labeling requirements. Uh, they're missing the expression of certain minerals in milligrams or micrograms. The date printed on the selling unit, which is a case of 12 bottles, is not identified as a required expiration date. Uh, the date printed on individual bottles is identified as Best Buy and not a an expiration date. And uh, NFT, which I'm not sure what that stands for, but there's there's some labeling issues where things are not in English and French, which is required by Canadian law. So it sounds like they went through, they jumped through a lot of hoops to get this available in the U.S., but then bringing it to Canada, there are certain additional regulations and things that they didn't necessarily comply with. And it's not that it's not that everything is necessarily bad. It's just that there's a lot of information missing. And so I'm, I went from being very, when I read this, I went from being very upset with the CFIA to being kind of like, okay, they actually kind of just have my back and they're trying to make sure that everything is healthy. I do want it back. Um, right now I've been using the Costco brand. Is that Kirkland? I guess. Um, little nutrition juice boxes they're also chocolate flavored and they're fine i don't i only have one per day because they're not listed as a nutritional replacement um but it does seem to have a similar flavor and similar amount of energy and it actually i like that they're available in small juice box sized amounts because it means that like the more kind of we the closer we can get to like having a capsule form of nutrition the better because i like being able to vary fine-grainedly control the amount of energy I get. Because Rob just really wants to eat I like do. a child, and the juice box <laughs> is the first step in the that direction. The juice box is one of the last steps in that direction. <laughs> the, the Tetra Pack, I guess. They're very um, they're very space-efficient in packing because they're just kind of like 
cornered off um, Tetra Packs. Yeah, you can find all sorts of rationales for things you like after establishing that you like them, Rob. I don't need to hear I that. like them because they're similar to Soylent in taste. And they're actually like they're packaged more efficiently, if anything. And you can get them. You don't have to order them online. You can go walk into a store and buy them. So it's nice. Rob, have you compared how this other drink? I presume it's closer to being like Boost than yes, Soylent. But how does it compare to Soylent? It, like it's very similar. I haven't. I didn't go through an ingredient by ingredient comparison, but on the like nutritional information, all there, there's a whole list of like twenty or twenty five different micronutrients that are listed and they all have the 20% recommended daily dose. So it sounds like if Soylent actually wants to get back into Canada, which apparently I keep hearing they did a, an ask me anything on Soylent on our Soylent last week. Um, they are working on it, but they're going to have to kind of move in this direction of fulfilling all of our requirements. Yeah. Just let the big, the big state in yep. Rob Reinhardt. The second biggest state in the world. Accept our demands and accept the market of 35 million people. (laughs) One-tenth your American market. (laughs) That's almost like California or Florida or something like that. It it does seem like they don't want to go the route of just not calling it a meal replacement. Because that's that's Mm -hmm. like their thing is that they are literally food. That's kind of essential marketing. Yeah. So I, I kind of understand that part, but... It's it's unfortunate they can't just not label it food, but have like a wink on there. Be like, but you know, yep, right, like just <laughs> literally a wink emoji. Yeah, just like, like not... it's not food. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> listeners to the podcast, I just winked. Just as a side note, now that I'm bringing up the uh, AMA that they did on Reddit, um, we also learned in that AMA that the bars are not coming back for the foreseeable future, if at all. Probably never, and I got very sad. It's also worth noting, though, that you can very easily make a bar-like food Mike, out of the powder. There's we can't lots get the powder. For that. That's the issue. Well, you can't get it. you can't get the bars either, <laughs> even if they were available. So, <laughs> I'm just saying, in a in a hypothetical situation where you could get the powder, you'd be able to make this a bar. And there is chocolate powder now, which, when it comes back, I would be interested to at least try. So I have some Soylent follow-up too, because like you both, or Rob more recently, I was a Soylent customer and was shafted by the whole not being able to be sold in Canada anymore thing. And I started looking at alternatives. So there are a couple other full nutritional, complete meal replacement powders and drinks out there in the market. One of those being Mm. Schmilk which is made by a company the called Super Body Fuel. Off-putting. I just need to say that. <laughs> that enough, that in <laughs> itself makes me not want to get it, but go on. Well, to, to people who have connotations of the movie or book. Both. With, movie or Two book different of, things. With Soylent. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm sure, you know, they both have their faults. Anyway, I looked at Schmilk and they have a sample pack available. So I put an order in for that and it got <laughs> lost in the shipment. So then I got a refund and they sent out a new one free of charge as kind of like a sorry for your troubles. We'll send out a new one. And that one also got lost in shipment. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, at least now I'm not out. I don't understand. But well, so I guess the whole issue came from they don't have a shipping post out Uh of Canada. So they're, they're shipping out of California via USPS. 
So then it has to change hands to Canada Post, and that's where it always gets oh, lost. Oh, God. Yeah. So, like, if United they just... United States Postal Service to Canada Post? Like, that's just... <laughs> yeah. Like, if they just use UPS... <laughs> that's the nightmare scenario right there. If they just use UPS right off the hop or some other, like, international courier, then it'd be fine because it yeah. stays at the same company. But this whole handing off between USPS and Canada Post, like, I have no idea where these things are. Like, there's no reason for it to okay. not get to me. Can I... But... Can I just, I, like, this is blowing my mind now. We're going off on a tangent, but so there are potentially millions of packages, a lot of them of Schmilk, just floating around <laughs> between the border of US and Canada, like, with, with labels on them, with Canadian addresses, potentially US addresses. Yeah. You'll be walking, you'll be walking down those sections where it's just, like, a mm-hmm. corridor through the forest where they established the border is, and there's yeah. just packages of Schmilk laying around. I guess around. this is it. Which is good it if you're in a Canada. survival scenario, but like, yeah. <laughs> Where's that? I don't know where it is. <laughs> trees, trees are in How Canada, How often does right? this happen? How often does stuff get lost in the mail and just never get found? Or like get to you in like know. 18 months, it'll show up at your door and you're like, what? This is bad now. I can't have this. God. So I want to jump in briefly and say like, I'm not 100% sure on this, but it's my understanding that, uh, what's it? Like a lot of, I think it's SlimFast or something like that. It's heavily high mm. fructose corn syrup, or like it gets a lot of its caloric yeah. load from sugar. And I'm extremely disappointed that the CFIA is demonstrably yeah. fine with that, but objects to a large percentage of nutrition mm-hmm. coming from fat. Which, like, let's just like write a love letter to the seven countries. I'm just gonna go actually look at what it says. Okay, I'm also. I also wanted to say, um, I'm surprised that Soylent cannot get away with writing a best bu- uh, best before date rather than an expiry date. But I'm pretty sure I've seen a lot of best before dates on milk. Like I'm surprised a dairy can get away with it. But well, I think the best buy is yeah. I don't know how that works because I've I actually looked up Soylent expiry because it says best buy it doesn't say best before. So then it's like, well, or like an expiry date, right? So I'm like, does Soylent expire? And then the answer I got was that it doesn't actually expire. It just loses its potency for like a nutritional Mm. standpoint. That would make sense. But it doesn't expire in the sense of like going bad. Once you mix it, then they say, you know, it's good for three, five, seven, however many days. I can't remember. the. I think Mm -hmm. it was like three to five days. I think they said it was good for, but it's it's more like if it smells bad, don't drink it. That's (laughs) their guidance. In Canada, um, in Canada anyway, there are expiry requirements, and so a lot of like canned food that should be indefinite is labeled as like a year or something like that, because that's the maximum you can put for expiry. And they're like, "Well, it doesn't expire. What do you want me to say?" And CFI is like, "We want you to say a date." It's like, "But it doesn't expire." But you need to put a date. It's like, "But there is no date that it expires." And they're like. I'm sorry, what part of this don't you understand? <laughs> you need to put a date. It can be as late as one year. They're like, fine, one year then. It's like, good. Was that so hard? Um, but yeah, and it, yeah. you talk now, Mike. So on your note about SlimFast and other type uh, nutritional supplements, the whole point being that they don't call themselves a meal replacement like, it's the same argument that people had about, like, oh, well, why can they sell bags of chips? Bags of chips don't have anything in them, but they can sell them. It's like, well, they're not mm-hmm. calling themselves a meal replacement. Yeah, that's true. Right? So the the problem is 
stuff like SlimFast and Boost, like people treat those as meal replacements. So even if they don't call themselves meal replacements, people mm-hmm. still treat them. Not again, not to say that people don't eat bags and chips for lunch because people do. But I think the the unspoken uh, implication of stuff like Boost and SlimFast is that they're good enough to be a meal replacement, which they may be, but under the regulations and guidelines of the CFIA, like they're not. And Soylent falls under that same category that based on what's in it, like they can't call themselves meal replacement under the current standards. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't like it, but I think that is a good explanation. So Rob, I am back. You're back. What's uh, your so I grabbed my one that I had this morning out of the garbage. Your juice yes, my box. juice box. Yeah. Uh, there is. You put the straw in there like a big boy. We're very there, proud there of you. There is specific. Rob. Rob, make sure you pull the wings out so yeah, you can definitely. like hold it without squeezing all the liquid out. <laughs> Life pro tip from a having a two year old drink juice boxes. Um, there is specific under the polyunsaturated fats section. There is the linoleic acid and N3 linoleic acid content is specified specifically. Um, Mm, Specifically specified? After water, the first two ingredients are different types of sugar, but I don't know if... Do they have to say that it's high fructose corn syrup if it isn't? Or, sorry, do they have to write that? I think... I Well, I mean, high fructose corn syrup is... Like, it's sugar. It's just a specific kind of sugar so i don't know if you have to say right. high fructose yeah. corn syrup i think you'd say like glucose fructose maybe yeah because they say like right. water then sugar then maltodextrin and then it gets into the proteins and oils and and maltodextrin yeah. is what uh soil yep. went heavy on because it has a low glycemic index okay which means you don't crash right. no I, I feel yeah i feel that if it's high fructose you'd have to actually say some sort of fructose mm. type ingredient yep but this also has sucralose, like Soylent does, so I'm just as annoyed by that. Mm. So what's the consistency like? Like, is it more close to milk or to Soylent, like, thickness-wise? I'm trying, honestly. I discovered in my fridge that I have one Soylent cocoa left. I don't know if I mentioned that. Oh. Um, but yeah, I discovered that about a week ago in the back of my fridge, and it's still good, so it's fine. But I don't know, like... <laughs> It's like ceremonial. I don't know when I'm supposed to have it because I don't. I don't ever want to be out. Have it. Have it. When I thought your child about it. I was born. like, take it to the hospital. Oh, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. Your child's born. You're like, crack. It's like, I don't smoke <laughs> cigars <laughs> or eat anything exciting. That would be exciting if I ate it. Rob, I think now you need to have that bottle. Like, bring it to the hospital. Born. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that, more just when you bring the baby in the bag home. you have ready yeah. for Julie. She'll open it be like, what is this? You said this was gone. <laughs> I can only eat ice cubes. Why would you do this to me? Rob's like Snapchatting us with his soil and bottle and the baby's being born. It's like, Robert, get over here. Does she call you Robert when she's angry with no. you? No. Okay. Definitely not. Kaya always calls me Nicholas, and it's when she calls me Nick that I know she's really upset with me. Because it's faster. It's just easier. It's, it's she... Puts a lot of anger into Nick. Uh, that's a good idea, though. I I did consider it, but I didn't. I don't know. I don't know when you usually do the celebration thing. I would assume the celebration happens when you're in the hospital, not when you get home. The hospital's no, more like a relief and like a cathartic okay. experience that I found. 
like the celebration excitement mm-hmm. is when you get home and like I mean like it's exciting yeah. and you're celebrating in the hospital too but it's when you get home it's like oh crap like we have Do a baby you... here now I mean oh crap in a good way <laughs> oh man I gotta put these chemicals away <laughs> This show is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ETB. Today I want to tell you about an exciting event happening on March 17th at the CKUA Radio Performance Hall in Edmonton. Join APN for an evening of music and whimsy in celebration of the fans of Alberta Made Podcasts. The music will be provided by Doug Hoyer, the man responsible for more Alberta podcast theme songs than anyone, and a performer of many fine tunes, now with the accompaniment of a string quartet. The whimsy? Doug will bring some for sure, but will also test contestants' knowledge of podcasting with Opod the Game. It will be silly, and of course, there will be prizes. This event is organized by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Learn more at albertapodcastnetwork.com slash events. And today we are offering a promo code of APNROCKS, A-P-N-R-O-C-K-S, for $5 off the $20 ticket price. Once again, go to albertapodcastnetwork.com slash events to learn more about this exciting event. If I'm going off on this tangent, I'm just going to continue. If you needed something, when you get to the hospital and you realize there's something at home that you need, did you have time or would you have had time to go home and get it? Is that a thing? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have wanted okay. to. So, okay, so... This well, is going yeah. way off on the tangent. Just now. get Amazon but, Prime so, to as, deliver as to the hospital. Before you start, I can see the hospital out my window right now. Like, it's very close. I can I can get there in two minutes. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. I think with the way that pregnancies usually go, where they wait for a certain level of dilation, then I think that's pretty predictable, where it's like, okay, you're this far along, it should be another couple mm-hmm. hours or whatever. So you probably would have okay. 10 minutes to come back and get something if you needed to. Right. Just don't wait till it's like <laughs> sure. nine centimeters dilated. <laughs> I go back to the room and it's like, where is she? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, as a programming note, we can, we can move on, but I will not be here very, very, very likely the next, at least one, potentially two episodes, probably two episodes because I'm on, I'm going to be on parental leave from the show, but I think I have my understanding is it will continue. Yes. Friends, family, religion, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> I just get the feeling that you don't want Unwind Media to be no, successful. I do. That's why I've I've decided despite despite the marriage, <laughs> despite the child, I've opted to let it continue. Despite increasing the size it of can your continue family without me. That's that's its real legacy is that I can leave and come back and it will still be here. Are you just going to are you just going to drop and convert to Catholicism one of these days? We're not going to be able to get you on Sundays because you have to I go mean, to mass. I will probably have to work around that in theory at some point. Like my parents took me to church for 2 years until it got too busy and then we never did anymore. So I threw that last one in as a joke. I don't joke. think like I said, I would <laughs> I would petition to go at a time that would not just be disruptive. Like I think the actual Catholic mass isn't even on Sunday morning. So I think it'd be fine, but it that probably will happen. I mean, most services are like ten thirty, eleven on Sundays. But... Not anymore, <laughs> Rob. Okay. Yes, it's it's a good thing that uh, convenience and non-interference <laughs> is the pillars of religious <laughs> dedication. I never so. said I was going to be yeah. dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Um, so let's, well, now that let's... we know that Future Chat is going to die, Mike, uh, what else do we have on the docket? I'm a perfectly capable stand-in for Rob's regular whoa, duties. Whoa, whoa, so. whoa, whoa. You're going to need my let's... one note. Okay. <laughs> so uh, last week, last month, whenever it was, we talked about cell phone plans. And uh, we had some follow-up from one of our listeners, Mia. And uh, she's from Europe, I guess, in France. And she said that she pays 10 euros for 5 gigabytes and unlimited SMS and calls, which is very yes. disheartening to me <laughs> because <laughs> that's very cheap. Whenever, whenever I see stuff like that, like I heard, I think most recently it was a guy that came over from Bulgaria and he was talking to us about cell phone plans. He was like, in Bulgaria, I I pay like, you know, it's similar amounts. It's like nothing for everything. And I'm like... You just pause for a second because your mind can't comprehend yep. how cheap that is. And it's just like, how do we, how in an otherwise pretty well-functioning country, do we just have an oligopoly in charge of this shit? I, I want to point out that it's not nearly as good as it sounds because if you convert those euros to Canadian dollars, it's about 1576. So really, who's getting screwed? That's all. I rest my case. <laughs> For five gigs? Wait, what are you saying? I'm sorry. Did the sarcasm not come across? <laughs> okay. No, it didn't come across. <laughs> so the explanation or the justification or comprehension I have for this, if I'm trying to justify what we pay versus what Europe pays. Advocate mm, for the devil, Mike. Is, advocate uh, for Canadian I'm not advocating telecoms. for anyone. I'm just, I'm just putting out something to consider. Is population density... That's and what they always say. I mean, it may or may not be reasonable to use it as an excuse because I, I have no idea how much these things cost the actual cell providers. But I, I do expect it to be more expensive than Europe just because you are trying to accommodate a very widely spread out population but also not leave out mm-hmm. the rural customers. Uh, Rob, you being yes. a rural Pokemon player, you, you, I'm sure you appreciate... <laughs> You appreciate having cell service, right? So, I mean, it would suck if you're just kind of left mm-hmm. out in the dust. So um, they're, they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place trying to keep prices. I don't, I wouldn't even say reasonable, just not yep. absurd. And also trying to, to have, I should point coverage. out um, we've been talking on our internal Slack about the, well, it, it part about the PC leadership race in Ontario but also about the liberal convention that's happening in Halifax this summer. And Nick and I voted in that kind of policy questionnaire they sent out about what your priorities would be. And one of the priorities that the liberal government is at least looking at is a national broadband cellular internet kind of coverage plan. And that like with a focus on Northern rural and whatever the third thing would be there's a third there's a third term but i forget what it was but the the idea of blanketing the entire country whether or not you're in a city with good cell service because right now it's okay in kind of populated areas and the spaces between the populated areas but i don't know if you ever looked if you ever looked at a cellular coverage map of saskatchewan for instance it's like a crisscrossing network of lines with a bunch of big gaps in the middle yeah it's yeah. not ideal for 
for being able to communicate anywhere. So I don't know if that would make our cell service more expensive or less, but the government will be looking to at least subsidize the construction of, of some of these towers in rural areas. Have you, um, have you guys ever been to Stevenson house? It's kind of on the way to Edmonton from Calgary, but you have to go no. fair ways out. Oh, okay. We, we went one day. It's like a, it's mm-hmm. a homestead kind of thing. You can tell because like, you know, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. And then a bunch of trees around a house and that's, how a homestead works i've yes given to understand but it, w- it was interesting when we went because we walked in and they said hey so uh suggested donation is this much and we uh, <laughs> cash um do you not have and just, and it's just no there's there's no power here there's no power there's no internet there's nothing that we would need to process a non-cash transaction and like my mind just again mm-hmm. just shut down for a minute it's like but i but we're, oh my God, how do you do anything? <laughs> yeah, it does seem a little ridiculous that, that when you start to get to that point of thinking where it's, things are very different here. I, well, I, I appreciate why they have it that way because it preserves the spirit of the original house. And, and also they go, when you say, I have <laughs> no cash, I haven't carried it in approximately five years. And they're like, that's okay. We're funded. We're funded. We're funded by the province. It's fine. That's so sad. And then I leave and I'm like, I I should really like, can I buy an annual pass to these things? So that yeah, it like yeah. justifies it. Huh. Weird. Yeah. I, I find I have a hard time because like wireless internet is wireless. I find a hard time with the justification that it would ruin this homestead to have a router in a corner somewhere <laughs> like you would they don't no they i don't know but i mean either getting like, like put up some solar panels outside it wouldn't ruin anything it would just enable you to have the modern conveniences of be- people being able to pay for going to your homestead actually what i what i could accept is like if you built some sort of rocket mass heater or even a rocket stove and attach that to a sterling engine i feel like that would be <laughs> Like steampunk. It's, it's still an anachronism, but at least it's less of an anachronism. That's right. You just need to harvest yeah. the lumber system. Pretend Nikola Tesla lived there for 20 years or so back in the early 19th century. Wait, 18th century? I forget what centuries are anymore. 20th century. The time when electricity existed, but he, but we didn't have internet or anything. That he would have, he could have modernized this house and brought it to, to the point of being able to sustain Wi-Fi. It's true. He did experiment with wireless did. power transmission. Unsuccessfully, but... <laughs> Do you guys remember those uh, credit card sliders? It goes like, yes. chunk, and then it carbon mm-hmm. copies your info. I do remember those. Those don't require That's power. There, there's, no, there's no excuse for them to not accept other forms mm-hmm. of payment. Mm-hmm. I think. Unless the credit card companies don't accept that anymore. I had that happen. I had someone take my credit card that way before, recently. You, wh- like, in with, the last Within the last years? year. I, within the last year. Oh, my God. Where taxi? were you? I don't remember. I think it was, like, a mobile... No, it was, like, a con- mobile contract or something that came to do some sort of... I was in the tundra. Installation. <laughs> no, it, it was it was someone mobile, so they, they needed... I mean, they have I'm, square payments now, so I don't know why they couldn't have just used something like that, but... Yeah, they, I'm they pretty took my sure that's that illegal. Way. Oh, that's fascinating. Like, you can request... You can, 
require payment through a more secure method because they're literally just stealing your content, your credit card information. <laughs> they're making a copy of your card. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I like, I I have no illusions about credit card security. So like every time I use my card, I I don't accept this. Like, wow, this is a yeah. perfectly secure transaction. I I accept that there's a chance that it. I mean, it's not even a conscious thought, but it's like, I don't expect perfect security. So if something happens, I know the credit card company has whatever insurance and whatever for that. So, I mean, we've we've talked about before, like, it's the same thing with my phone. Like I set up Android pay on it because it has uh, the NFC Google pay that I can use with it. And perfect perfect security is not using your credit card. Well, exactly. No, that's exactly it. It's like, if you're going to use it, like you can't, you can't expect right. it to be perfectly secure although it's acceptable it risk yeah yeah <sighs> okay nick i want to hear the story that is associated with you whether or not you put it in here i know it has an all caps headline so okay. that's how i know it came from you that sounds that sounds like me for listeners we have show notes and i like to put clickbaity titles <laughs> They're not even in clickbait. the show notes for my own they're not stories. even clickbaity <laughs> This one just is quantum computing. Well, the second Actually, one, the second one kind of is. The second one kind of is. I was intrigued. Yeah, the first one's just, yeah, yep. excitement. What did I write for the second one? Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, honestly, I want to. I want to hear the quantum computing. Actually, no. Oh, we never did. Wait, hold on. Let me back up. Did we talk about the encryption with lava lamps? No. Did yeah, we? we oh, yeah, we did. We did. We did. Lava that's true. I think we did. Okay. I we thought do. the quantum computing was that one. I was like, but like I was excited to talk about that. You okay. know what? That's that's actually a good segue because like this one when I was really excited about CRISPR, like it, it's difficult to articulate how game changing that could be. Like like CRISPR offers the technology where like maybe by the time that I have a child, if that child is born with some like genetic disease, you could cure it with CRISPR technology right there. Yeah, I, I see bemusement on Mike's face, but this one I, I have even more trouble trying to articulate because Google has unveiled a 72 qubit quantum computer with low error rates, and I'm not sure what exactly quantifies low error rates, but back in university when I took uh, single molecule magnets, mm-hmm. th- that course, Rob... I seem to recall you were there at the beginning uh, and you weren't. That anymore. was a that... two-part grad course. There were so it, w- right. if you were a grad student, you could take the first half or the second half or both as separate as two different credits. And I only took the first half, and then I failed mm-hmm. that, and I did not take okay. the second half. <laughs> to be to be clear, <laughs> failure was anything below a B. Um, I I could definitely yeah, see failure. I did not that like course. it. It was not for me, and I did not get an F, but I did fail. <laughs> Is is that because it should have been easy enough to get a B? Like no. that was the curve? Oh. Does well, it, it's high? four grad courses. Like Mike Mike, I I I don't get it myself, but like with math that I'm perfectly capable of doing, I know that some people look at those formulas formulae and they see what I'm doing with it, they see how I'm manipulating it, and their brain just like shuts off. It's like it's just a complete wall of between them and comprehension. That's where I got with this class. Wait, which part? You like cross that barrier sudden, or you never crossed that barrier? I, I managed to understand just enough to get out of that class right. with the credit. 
and I haven't thought about it. The only time I thought about it since, really, in a comprehension way, was when the prof was at my mm. honors thesis defense, and he <laughs> asked me a question about it. See, the- <laughs> and I was like, I feel the exact same. So, Mike, Sorry? to put that in context, um, because there were grads and undergrads taking the course at the same time, you could technically have a third-year student taking this class, and they need to be judged according to the same standards as potentially like a fourth or fifth-year grad student. And so you, they gave the same grades, but there was a higher standard if you were a grad student. Um, I think that's not curved, but they graded them the same, but there was a higher standard of failure. Like you had to get at least a B if you're a grad student, but if you're not a grad student, you could get C and D and it'd be fine. Like you'd still pass. Oh, because you wouldn't have taken other prerequisites? No, you would have taken other prerequisites. So it's, what's, it's harder to pass if you're a grad student because like, there's a higher standard of passing. Yeah. It's a higher cutoff for pass-fail. This, this seems like, arbitrary, though. If they have the same prereqs for grads and But you're expected to, in general, know more, and you're expected to be already have experience in that field, which I did to an extent, but not really. I mean... Welcome yeah. to grad school, Mike. The, it's awful. The other thing, so Nick, you mentioned you didn't think. The other thing, the other sorry, the other thing is you take mm-hmm. one course at a time in grad school usually, and so they just expect that that course is your whole life. Like the grads, the grad course that I took, when they gave an assignment, that was like a week for me. That was a nine to five Monday to Friday assignment. And then we'd all get together at the end and compare notes, and I'd realize that I'd done nothing. <laughs> to your point, Nick, about not thinking about single molecule magnets or really molecular magnetism at all until you saw Murley at your thesis defense, I don't think about it at all. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I see his name pop up on some NSERC application, and I'm brought rushing back to that class, and I shudder. <laughs> oh, man. Can you, like, can you personally give him hell no. for me, please? He's a, okay, he's well. like it's amazing because like you said you hit that wall and that's his chosen field like that's where he does his research <laughs> like I have to have respect yeah. for him. So I mean all this to say like single molecule magnets the reason that you're interested in them at all <laughs> in the slightest is that they have a quantum spin component to mm-hmm. them overall and they can be they can be spin up, spin down, and they can have a whole variety, like a three-dimensional matrix of options in between those. And the reason they make them so big and so complicated from the perspective of like a molecule is to keep them from flipping mm-hmm. on their own. And when I was taking that class and I learned about quantum computing and what they were trying to do, I didn't think it was possible because there's just too many ways for it to go wrong. And I didn't think it would ever be a reliable option for computing. But once we hit this level, like quantum computing, if we continue the trend of the low error rates that Google has, and we make these giant complicated molecules that keep it from flipping on its own, but at the same time, instead of dealing with a computing one or a zero, you can deal with a three-dimensional matrix all within this one quantum bit that makes cracking that makes cracking the wall of lava lamps a trivial endeavor like this is the kind of technology that it's like the cold fusion of the computing world 
once you unlock quantum computing, like all the simulations that you would never do because it's just not worth the computing time, that's just like, oh yeah, we can do that. We can do that and in under a year it. of yeah. computing time or something like that. Like all the encryption we've had to this point is just a trivial endeavor for quantum computers to solve. It's incredible. And I'm, I can't, I still almost can't believe that this kind of progress has been possible. And I, for one, welcome our new Google (laughs) robot overlords. So on that note, is, is this the kind of thing where people in a hundred, 200, a thousand years will say, you know, they they thought they could, but they didn't realize or think, stop to think if they should. And, and, and again, similar to like Stephen Hawking saying how like AI is getting to the point where it's becoming like a threat to ourselves is, is like, cause Nick, you're talking about, you know, this trivializes a lot of current challenges with encryption and computing and that kind of thing. Like if that gets, when it gets into the wrong hands, like that could be game over for a lot of that kind of stuff. Well, luckily you need to have the resources of someone like Google or Apple in or order the, to crack or these the things. Saudi kingdom. <laughs> Honestly, like they have the financial resources, but I don't know that they have the intellectual resources at their disposal to crack. Like the engineers like and but, programmers and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's it's right. not even about they don't have to be the ones to crack it though. It's I'm saying once it becomes available, like once it becomes cracked, well, then it's just. I mean, like I I'm mean, not I'm we, not expecting I'm not expecting Sorry, quantum we, computers to be like installed into Dell PCs anytime soon, but like that kind of thing, there'll be a black market for that kind of computing for sure. Also, you know the whole like Intel inside <laughs> stickers. Once we have quantum computers, like Intel maybe inside, we're not actually sure. <laughs> um no like encryption sorry when i say cracking encryption will be trivial cracking today's standards of like gold standards right no of course trivial you you would hope that encryption well there'd be quantum encryption then in theory (laughs) quencryption yeah like and there are mike this is actually really cool there are i don't know if you you know about this, but we actually talked about quantum encryption in some of our classes. You can actually like send information back and forth, but via a wave function. And if it gets to you pre-collapsed, you know that it's been intercepted somewhere. <laughs> Rob, I, it's that time I think of the show I've just again. Been Are you discovered okay? Is what happened. <laughs> oh my god! By yeah, by Teddy. Okay. Does Theodore not know that you exist normally? Does Theodore have object yes. permanence? Okay. He does. It's good to know. Or a very, very right. good sense of smell. We we can't really be sure yet. <laughs> is, is it ever really gone if you can still smell it is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. You have to have a smell-proof box in order to fool Teddy. We're not just, okay. Quantum sorry, where were encryption? <laughs> Quencryption, yeah. So yeah. did we even, did we mention the story yet? I think you said something about 72 qubits. Is Is that... I read the article quickly, and it was made the just last as much time sense to I me remember as... hearing something about this. It was like eight qubits, and that was mm-hmm. phenomenal. And that was a few years ago. So yeah, and they they said something about every qubit is ten times faster or harder. All, I can't. I remember think all of the above. What they they said. keep. It's something harder. Like it's better. It's faster. It's stronger. Right. So this is like 
64 orders of magnitude faster right. than they but it's could also, do before. You also have to consider that each time you add one, it's like an extra order of magnitude more difficult to keep them entangled. So it's a feat in itself that okay. they're able to physically do this. Yeah. Right. And Nick, you mentioned about the level of error. I think they said 1%. Yeah. Between 0.5 and 1 or something like that was they're like what they're, they're aspiring to. Yeah. Wait, it's what? 1% error or data loss or corruption or whatever. Because you, you said about the amount of error involved in the quantum computation, right? And you say you weren't sure how much error is minimal or low error. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's I, at, I think it this one's I think 1%. That's what the article said. And I think they're still trying to get Oh to my like... god, you're right. It's 1%. <laughs> how do they even do that? Well, okay, so where is going with oh this? Oh my god. Uh, Can you even get 1% error on like our so, current transistors? Okay, so holy shit. Rob, you might be able to answer this. The LHC when they consider a discovery as oh great now you're making me look up valid, six sigma <laughs> six sigma is it is that it was six is it six sigma it's six sigma okay because that's way below one percent well yeah but that's also a data acquisition yeah. thing that's like certainty but this is effectively data acquisition no, too like you're generating error computations rates, though, via it's different i it's a similar principle but it's different either either way one percent still seems way too high when you're dealing with large computations uh, there's the uh, with computing you also have you have to have a certain amount of redundancy yeah like just theoretically speaking you have to have enough redundancy that the errors that will happen in a process can be accounted for right mike rob you're more of the experts on computation than i am but that's my understanding like transistors have a certain amount of redundant or uh not transistors CPUs have a certain amount of redundancy built in, as, as and, do well, RAM. Especially, like I think, that. is one of the things where they want to right. check. Yeah. Yes, I think that's it, and that's that's an area you have to account for. But when you're talking about Six Sigma from from the LHC or something like that, consider how, when's the last time you looked at a spectrum, Mike? I looked at a sound spectrum <laughs> last week. Okay, so that's a good. I'm example. not sure it is, but okay. so you saw like. I'm sure you saw like some what some people call grass at the bottom of the spectrum, but the more acquisition acquisitions you take, the grass at the bottom is random. Mm-hmm. So like noise, yeah, the noise is random. Yeah. So as you take more and more acquisitions, the randomness will cancel itself out. It will average out to a zero-ish baseline, sure. but then the signal in the noise becomes more apparent because the noise has decreased. Right. Like a signal to noise ratio. That's correct. <laughs> and that's that's the Six Sigma we're talking about with the right. LHC. You just have to run it longer to okay. get more acquisitions. I'm sorry if I mansplained that to you. <laughs> no, you nixplained it. <laughs> Did I nixplain it? I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. No, I, I appreciate the... the like I, Connecting the signal-to-noise ratio with the error, that, that part makes sense. Like You're trying to get the signal-to-noise ratio to a certain level for it to be confident that it's a valid mm-hmm. result. Like, and you're talking about the errors in data, like, just from what I've heard experts talk on it, like, processors have processes in place to, like, fill in the gaps of the missing data. Like, they're able to either just blow past it and not have it affect what it's doing, or it'll be able to predict or estimate what it was supposed to be. 
up to a certain level. So like, yeah, like yeah. you're saying, like you expect there to be a certain level of data loss, but it can handle that within the way it's designed. Yes, I think so. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that's my understanding of it anyway, which is kind of crazy to think that like these computers we're using like literally right now are all just electrical switches and electrons flying inside circuit boards. Yeah. And it's like kinda weird. And we have been hitting kind of theoretical limits for a while where it's like, you know, these can only get so small until it's not possible to make them mm-hmm. a transistor anymore. Like the transistor itself is a single molecule and kind of limits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to have, cause the, transistors we have right now if i'm correct they use semiconductors so you have to you have to have at least a certain number of atoms present in order to have that to have band gaps you know semiconductor yeah yeah i can't believe that their error is one (laughs) percent that's so low yeah this is brain-breaking incredible and i submitted the article (laughs) i think stuff like this will hopefully encourage other companies. I'm sure there's companies already working on this, but it's similar to like the SpaceX improvements, right? Like it it advances the field and motivates others to Mm -hmm. kind of like Mm -hmm. keep up and like push harder, hopefully. And ideally it's for the the benefit of everyone that these companies are are trying to be first to market or, or first to break into whatever kind of barrier is in the way of further advancement, I guess. So can we, we don't have a ton of time left. I know there's a lot of things that people want to talk about, but I would like to submit one additional story that's not in here. I kind of want to hear about your X-rayed experiences. Either of you not want to talk about those and would rather talk about something else for the last little bit, or is that okay? I am really curious to hear about Mike's X-rayed experience. (laughs) This is all like, this is the last 10 minutes or so of my podcasting for the next two months so i want to hear about this so for listeners to contextualize this rob is by far the most successful pokemon go trainer in terms of uh total xp yes between the three of us that is uh, yeah well in the world based on his magical (laughs) bus rides it seems like and lunchtime x raids or lunchtime legendary raids but mike received two x-rayed passes Mike and I got two within one. one day of each other <laughs> after yeah. a drought of like eight months <laughs> yes it only seemed appropriate that it would come come in literal waves mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah my ha- my first x-rayed uh was on friday and that was a downtown raid uh one o'clock so it was actually quite convenient for me just took a bit of a delayed lunch and was able to make it down there. I was very excited for it. I, you know, I sent some snaps. Kind I, of that was your first. We'll get to it, but I think that was your problem. It. You had your hands out. <laughs> I, maybe it was that. That is bordering on yeah. hindsight confirmation bias a little bit because it could. Well, but your hands were cold. Is is the but, foreshadowing here? Uh, I was walking through the plus fifteen while I was. There snapping, was a couple outside. But, uh, don't you were out there. Yeah. <laughs> I sure. We'll we'll get to there. So. <laughs> I'm documenting my experience. I'm all excited. I get to the location, you know, with about 10 or 15 minutes to spare. And long story short, I, well, I mean, obviously we defeated you two. Got to the obviously. catching. Obviously. Like, come he's, on. Sh- he's shockingly <laughs> soft. Very. Like, yeah. based on 
the trailer with Mewtwo at Times Square <laughs> and there were like hundreds of people, I had like I actually kept 170 max revive or max potions and 130 max revives just for Mewtwo because I was like, what if this happens? What if I need like a billion of these and it's a huge thing? And then I got there and it's like, oh, I could probably like I could foreman this. I think. Yeah. So, uh, got to the catching time. I only got eight balls. Which seems very, very low, so, right? Yeah. So, so, I was in a How group How many were in your party? Twelve. Okay. So, uh, there's a possibility to get two balls. And I, I was hopeful for two, but I ended up only getting one. And, sorry, was there twelve or is there eight? What was your no, lineup? Sorry, it was a group of eight. So, Did I actually... Sh- I should should have had a pretty good chance to get two balls, but I only got one. Did you do Tyranitar, Gengar, Sizor, or Tyranitar, Tyranitar, Sizor? So I knew this wasn't Focus Blast because they didn't recommend any flying types, and it recommended right. my Tyranitars. So I did put my good Gengar up front, and then a couple Tyranitars, Houndoom, and I want to say another Gengar. I know it was like two Gengars three Tyranitars and a Houndoom. We'll go mm-hmm. with that. And it unfortunately had confusion, so my Gengars melted. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I didn't have to jump back in to revive, so that was fine. But either way, I only got one ball instead of two for personal damage. And there's only two instinct in my group, so that contributed to the single team contribution ball. So the six plus one plus one gives me eight. Went to catch it. And the first ball, my finger touched the screen, and it fumbled and oh, bobbled to the ground. No. Like, <laughs> nice. That was that was good. So second ball was fine. Threw it. Third ball, again, fingers were cold, and it hit the pin app. And then my when I went down to go change it, it just released a pin app to the Mewtwo. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay, so I guess I'm pin apping this one. uh yeah didn't catch it that ball third ball threw it and it fell short i don't know if i just wasn't touching the screen enough or it's because it was cold again either Mm. way just was not a good throw and then the other five balls went off fine but end of the day it was weather boosted too so the catch rate was lower Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that didn't help either so anyway first mewtwo ran away from me Thankfully, I had the second pass, so that softened yeah, no the crushing blow of the first one running away. And so I did my second one yesterday, and that one was right by my house. And that that's my like home gym. Like I have that's my mm. highest goal, highest points, most active gym. So that's that's the gym that I wanted for sure to like get an EX raid to. And so I was very happy to to get that. And I I do kind of feel better for getting my first Mewtwo from. The, my home gym like that's kind of what i want i didn't want that to does go, sound fun yeah like i didn't want to have to go out of my way to some random like whatever gym that was a guaranteed raid pass and get my mutual that way like i wanted it to be like a bit more meaningful that way yeah so yeah no I, I end up catching that one no problem got 10 balls that time wasn't boosted so the higher catch rate and caught it on like my third or fourth ball so max that thing out right away did now you though? Well, actually, I put up to thirty eight hundred. I oh, did actually good. max it out good, this good, morning. Good. Yeah, but so now it's a nice palindromic number. It's nice. thirty eight eighty three. So nice. it's still, it's still a happy number. 
<laughs> and I, Nick, I also TM'd it to Psycho Cut Shadow Ball. Just because you have all the TMs mm. for <laughs> how many? How many TMs did you need for that? Actually, only three. So it went Psycho Cut to Focus Blast to Psychic. Oh, sorry, Psychic to Focus Blast to Psychic to Shadow Ball. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have like over thirty mm. charge TMs, so I was okay wow using them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I have so many projects Same here. that I keep using yeah. charge TMs on, but. I'm also now soloing tier threes, so that's okay. Yeah, which, by so. the way, I'm very happy about. I've been <laughs> wanting you to try that forever, and you just you didn't believe in yourself, Nick. Well, for the longest time, my play style was centered around raiding with Kaya, and so I was still of the, I was still of the feeling that it wasn't worth it was worth the Stardust investment to max defenders, but not attackers. But right, because you're you're at most or at least two manning whatever it was you were doing, right? That's the idea? Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, it, you know, it, like, it wasn't worth it. But the meta has almost shifted the opposite way, where the defender doesn't actually matter. Cause doesn't matter at all. <laughs> unless it's Blissey, if someone wants to take it down, it's gone. Yeah. Like, you're very late to that realization. It's been that way for, like, ten months. <laughs> I don't think ten months, Eight months. quite. But, since oh, God, the... it was last summer, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, since the gym rework. Okay, so... <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> long story even longer. Um, man, I was so stressed about it. Like, I dumped so much Stardust into Gengar, into okay, Dragonite. Well, t- wait, tell the story of how you got the pass first. Because that's oh, kind of how its I own... got the pass? I. <sighs> that was stupid. So, I dropped Kaya off at uh, yoga so she could teach yoga on a Saturday. This is in Edmonton, so not even your regular place. This is in Edmonton. Yeah. And I'm down, I grab a coffee, and I see that there's a Machamp. And at this point, I haven't been able to reliably solo a Machamp. And I'm like, I'm going to see if I can solo that Machamp down there. I walk down, I solo the Machamp, and I'm so pleased with myself. I'm walking back, and on my way to Community Day for the Dratini Community Day. I'm going to the West Edmonton Mall so I can stay warm and catch everything. Also, I was operating Kai's phone at the time to keep my writing staff <laughs> appeased. And, like, she got a shiny, but it, like, ruined my life playing two two games at once because I hate, I hate right. multitasking like that. But I checked my phone, and I was scrolling down to see my items, and then there's an X-Raid pass there. And I was like, ah. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's happening! It's happening! So it was the same day. <laughs> or I've been preparing for was this there day a skip for forward so in long. time in that story, or was it the same day? No, That's it's crazy. the same day. Same day. And also, that was when I realized it was a Friday. And I was like, "Oh shit! <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a day off work." And I, I basically, we were working. Like I was up in Edmonton for work, so Monday morning, I I see my boss, and it's like, "Hey." Pokemon went super well this weekend. He's like, oh, good. Because I told him that I had Pokemon yeah. objectives that weekend. And I was like, also, I have to take a Friday off because I've got some <laughs> wicked Pokemon stuff going on. I have a fixed Pokemon appointment. He's like, yeah, okay. Put in the paperwork. That's amazing. <laughs> we're we're not busy right now. So it's like it's it's not sad yeah. that people are taking time off right now. You have now. days so you like, can take cool. them. Yeah. Have at her. Yeah. Anyway. And so 
I like started shoveling stardust <laughs> into my into my Gengars, into my Dragonites, because I figured Dragonites will be useful in the event of a focus blast Mewtwo. And also they're they're just good generalists to have around. Um I poured some candy into my I poured some dust into my Sizor once I figured out the breakpoints I needed him to hit. Um I didn't do anything with Houndoom because I don't like them. <laughs> and like I was saving rare candy to use on. I Lugia. thought you liked Houndoom. Back when Gen 2 was released, you said it was like one of your favorites. I did. I was excited about it, but in terms of my countering Mewtwo, I was like, mm, no. Well, it's like a Tyranitar Jr. Yeah, and I I figured I would get more use out of Tyranitar. Yeah. And so, like, coming up to it, I had, like, my one Tyranitar was, like, level 38 and a half or something like that. And I was looking at the Mons to put stuff into, and I was like, okay, well, I have a Bite Crunch Tyranitar that's level 20. I could put that to level 25, so I have two level 25s because... That's like the one thing better than a Tyranitar at level 40 is like a level 21 Tyranitar. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I put one to 25 and I was like, okay, that's it. And then as I was sitting here waiting to go, it's like, no, no, I got to max out my 98% <laughs> Tyranitar. I got to do it now. Every crunch counts. There's no way. Anyway, so I did that. I now have three Gengars, I think they're all over level 37. I have three Dragonites, I think they're all over level 37. And one maxed at 15, 14, 15 Tyranitar. So I got in there, there was there were three Instinct there, and there was a communication mishap where some Mystics wanted to break into a second group. So the Mystics, there were four Mystics and two or three Instinct, I think. Might have been five Mystic and two of us. Anyway, so I was pretty pleased about that because I figured we could get some team bonus on it. And I got two damage balls and we got, I think, two team balls because I had Mm -hmm. ten balls total. Well, you got two damage balls in a group of, sorry, a group of ten, you said? Oh, that's right. It was a group of ten. It was a a higher number of people because you're surprised that you got two. That's right. Because typically you can only really get two if it's like seven or less. Yeah, but like I looked at the Pokemon around me and someone was using Ho-Oh and people were using Agron and I was like, Jesus Christ. Well, those those are auto-selected. Who are these casuals <laughs> yeah. that are playing this game alongside me? But like, I mean, it worked out great for me because I got the damage balls because yeah. people don't know what they're doing. I think I went through two Tyranitars and I was two or three Tyranitars and I was on Sizor by the time it was over and I was shocked. Yeah, I I kind of I thought I one I was really excited to see how big Mewtwo's catch circle was. That was great, and so the first throw I kind of whiffed on it, like there was no bonus to it, and I hit him too far to the right. And I was like, oh, he is farther mm-hmm. away, and so I made the circle just bigger than his head, and I threw that one, great throw, and I caught it. Nice. And it's like seventy eight percent IVs, but. <laughs> Yep. It's Mewtwo, so that's all right. So did you sink Rare Candy and Power Ups into it yet? No. And he's not going to. I tried it because it's Confusion Focus Blast. So like, I tried it out on some Blissey Snorlax gyms around, and I was like, this is pretty underwhelming. So I, 
I think I want to TM it to Psychic and Psycho Cut and then use that as a specialist attacker. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, like, you're not going to wait for another Mewtwo <laughs> to power it up. Like, Oh, no. Like, okay. I have this Mewtwo and my my assumption before was I'm just not going to get one for like a couple <laughs> years. Yeah. And so this is like, no, this is the Mewtwo I have. This yeah. is the one Mewtwo I have. Like I have a friend who I play with downtown and we, you know, both of us being downtown players and really only have one EX gym near each other's houses. Whereas other people are kind of driving around all over the city to get Mewtwo. Like we, we had never done that. So it's like, I guess we're not getting Mewtwo until they start doing more gyms downtown or whatever. So he ended up getting Mewtwo before I did. And after, you know, waiting the same amount of time I did, obviously. And he's like, uh, it's pretty bad IV, so I don't think I'm going to power it up. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we've been waiting this long to get Mewtwo, and now it's you're like, deciding to be picky over IVs? It's like, do you, do you realize it's a Mewtwo? Yeah. You know like, it's a Mewtwo, right? Mewtwo. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm on the same page, though, Nick. Like, it's this is my, my one Mewtwo. My in theory could have been second but all the more reason to power the one up because it's like fate made this my only Mewtwo. <laughs> there will so be more Mewtwo's yeah. you need to realize this the well but see it's okay that that's another thing i don't want another Mewtwo. but now. you will get one eventually it might take six more months but the well, fact that you got two in within one day of each other means that now the system probably is working properly and you will get right. more but see a for the sake of people who don't have one sure. yet i don't want another Mewtwo. thank you B, I I want this Mewtwo to be like special and like nice. I I if I get any other Mewtwo's, like I'm not going to power any more up. So, I mean, if up. I get one over ninety five percent, I might power that one up too. Well, but you're not going to not power up this one because. Well, no, but I it, I actually think like before I power up this Mewtwo, I might power up. Well, I definitely want to power up Lugia for Machamp raids. But I could also power up Kyogre just for the, right. the special the specialty great. matchups. I also just don't <laughs> like Groudon. I know objectively yeah. that it's very good, but I don't like it. Me neither. It's very it's off-putting. True. I don't, and I don't know why. It's I I seem to always prefer the like the second cover <laughs> legendary. So like red blue i chose blue gold silver i liked i liked silver i liked lugia better just seemed more elegant right i think it's because it's ground, ground type, type. Is the worst i'm not a fan of ground types yeah that's because your lieutenant surge <laughs> lieutenant surge fears <laughs> one type and that's ground so i have allocated rare candy to kyogre and rayquaza so oh, i have a 90 i have a 98 rayquaza and it i'm gonna have to go chasing dragon tail outrage and i hate that because i have no charge tms see i want to make it like a flying specialist because it gets the flying quick and charge move oh yeah guys i've only so, done one rayquaza raid be good. and i have no yeah did you get it? i mean i did one and i got it oh, and good now for i you. feel fine i i had like mike your first mewtwo experience that was my rayquaza <laughs> yesterday I just like whiffed on two balls <laughs> and like everything else was fine. But I was like, Jesus Christ. I, yeah, the latest, tri- the, I think it's the Hoenn trio. I have had the worst luck with catching. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So Mike, you're now done playing. Nick's probably going to continue. Wait till he yep. gets his next Mewtwo. I 
Well, no, like I've got, I've got a lot of egg hatching. Okay, so once this event's over, <laughs> I want to collect, I want to collect like good relevant breeding pairs for all the Pokemon, <laughs> and like, I got a, I I'm really looking forward to a perfect Ditto. That's true because that's really important for breeding. Mm. Should breeding ever come out, not that I think it will, but I also have, I've selectively cultivated dittos that I'm keeping for breeding purposes so that I can get the good IV spread. So one of my goals lately has been to fill my top 12 with non defenders from the old meta. So now my two Snorlaxes and chance and Blissey are my bottom three in my top 12. So once I get three attackers over the Mm. Blissey CP, then that mission will be complete. So maybe that's my next project. Oh man, and, I got Zapdos too. I like Zapdos. Yeah. So I figured by powering up a couple more legendaries, then I should be able to knock them out <laughs> of the top 12. That's a plan anyway. Okay, well, you guys are welcome to continue. We've already, I've already had to use one. I'm going to take a few extra minutes because I wanted to hear the end of your stories. But I think I have to... <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I, I think so I have to hang up mind. my podcasting cap for a little while carry on the show's well, legacy without go me put on your then, daddy uh, cap i'll obviously let you know how it goes but uh of course this, this feels this feels like the end of one era and the beginning of another in which i'm a parent and i podcast welcome to <laughs> well, the club not yet <laughs> i will we'll try not to replace you but okay. we probably will I'm... yeah we'll see how the next two two episodes go and okay, we'll uh, be... we'll let you know we can't guarantee anything, but we'll keep you in mind be for, okay with for that. when you return. <laughs> All right. <laughs> stopping the broadcast. Signing off for now. And we've officially begun <laughs> the search for the next host of Future Chat. <laughs> Who will co-host with Mike? And allow me to be senior contributor. Oh, we should have like a reality show for it to, to try out for the next host. <laughs> that sounds. Fun. Oh man, that'd be good. It could be like the, the voice, but just get like for podcast. Just get like audio clips. Like have an interview with Kai. It's like, so what do you think about the latest <laughs> cell phone? Blah blah. He's like, I don't really know anything about it. And then just have a big... <laughs> You're really more of a senior contributor <laughs> at this point. It's like, so how do you feel about the future of quantum, quantum computing? Oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> that one, not necessarily yeah. Kaya, just anyone. Yeah. Like, have you tried Soylent? No, I don't think I'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... I look forward to at least being an executive producer on that show. We'll keep you on for that. <laughs> Rob, you will always, always have a place as producer wherever I am talking into a microphone.